Hello, everyone, and welcome to the next episode of Stop Being the Best Kept Secret. I am your host, Dr. Tana M. Session, founder of TanaMSession.com, uh, organizational development strategist, human resources consultant, and diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging thought leader. And I am pleased to have a guest here today that can really dig into um, women. We're going to talk about women in particular in this episode, but uh, I'll let her introduce herself. So today I have Elena. Elkina. Elena, please formally introduce yourself to everyone. Let them know who you are, where they can find you, the name of your business, and then we'll get into our topic. Uh, wonderful. Thank you, Tana. I, I appreciate it. Thank you for inviting me. My name is Elena Elkina. I am a founder, co-founder, and partner at Alida Consulting. It's a privacy and data protection consulting firm in the Silicon Valley in California, and we support organizations across the globe to, um, with helping them build privacy and information security compliance programs. Uh, this is my full-time job, and I'm very passionate about it. We are minority-owned, female-owned business, and we pride ourselves in doing things differently in the industry. I come from a legal background. I am a former attorney, practice law for many, many years and uh, graduated from law school, my first one in 2000. And since then changed geographies, changed a lot of different industries from FinTech, healthcare, software development, uh, government agencies, uh, corporate world, and uh, now to Alida Consulting. I'm very passionate about what I do. Uh, quit practicing law about 10 years ago, maybe even more. And uh, really excited to build uh, compliance and regulatory programs and focus them on the business and the business impact. Um, I'm also very passionate about um, living impact in the community, and it's not just words to me. Uh, I'm a co-founder of a nonprofit organization, Women in Securing Privacy. We are a global nonprofit that started kind of with a without very specific intent, but grew naturally, organically into a world-known organization that we serve women and minorities to help them um, get and advance their career in privacy and information security by providing them with resources, training opportunities, mentoring opportunities, leadership jobs, and, and much more. Uh, we are very fluid and uh, flexible, and we're moving along with the industry, how it's being shaped. And um, if you are from privacy and security industries, there has been a lot of changes during the last five to 10 years from um, it being kind of like two separate things and merging slowly being like two sides of the same coin. And now there is a lot of merging happening and um, minorities and women need help and especially women, and, and we, we are providing resources to help them position themselves for success. Um, that's kind of a little bit about me. Thank you, Tana. You sound like a busy woman. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just something that when I'm not, uh, I, I love what I do. I'm always feeling like I'm excited when I go to work, which is like, go is like a very virtual thing nowadays. Mm -hmm. And I'm excited to go home. I have a toddler who is three years old. I have a puppy now. Aww. Um, I, I love my friends and community. So I, I, I love what I do and I can't wait to get to the next thing. And it's very hard for me to like draw the line between work and my life because I, I always consider myself a lucky person because what I do is just like very big part of me, my values and how I want to do life. 
I completely understand. I, I actually overstand you because I feel the exact same way. I have people ask me all the time, do you have hobbies? What do you do for fun? I'm like, <laughs> well, I kind of consider my work fun. I said, because I love the impact I'm having. I like doing research and coming up with new solutions for my clients. Um, I like to travel. So I try to do that as much as possible. But aside from that, I don't, I don't paint. I don't knit. I mean, I read, but it's usually work related. So I don't like mm-hmm. just pick up a novel. I don't pick up a novel and read it. It's probably something related to the work I do, but, but yeah, I don't have a hobby. My work is my hobby. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I do have a hobby though. I, I, oh. I, I'm also a vegan chef. Um, oh, I wow. love- this is my artistic expression because I also like to paint, but I never have time. And I'm very type A person for me. It's like, mm-hmm. I want to do it more. And I feel like it's very helpful and relaxing and meditative always to me. But I am such an efficient person that sometimes I feel like I can't do this. Like this is a waste <laughs> of time for me, which is not right way to think about it. Right. <laughs> but cooking for me, especially with vegetables, it's something ah. I find it like an expressive because there are colors. I'm very energetically focused person. So I feel the energy around me and I'm not just, you know, I don't know what it is, spirituality, whatever you call it, but I feel like uh, vegetables give that energy to me and I can exchange, which is very important to me. I'm kind of like having two way street with everything I do. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I feel like vegetables with colors, energy, the flavor and uh, with spices. I, I have so much fun with that. I wish I'd have more. And, and I, I, and I cook, I don't, you know, I'm a private chef. Um, I do it for friends and people I know, but this is something I always feel like when I retire, which is soon uh, from privacy and information security, that's what I would do. I'll probably create something very fun and exotic for um, healthy, fun eating that not only helps your body and soul, but also your taste buds. (laughs) That's my hobby. That sounds amazing. And I can only imagine what your Instagram page must look like. (laughs) I'm going to definitely have to follow your your chef page. I know you must have one. (laughs) I do. I do. It's heal vegan. Yes. (laughs) Good. And a toddler with everything else you have going on, Elena. My goodness. Let's talk about that, right? Because, you know, we think about the challenges that women face in the workplace. Caregiving is number one in regards to quote-unquote work-life balance which the balance part is a fallacy is not real but you know the challenge of being there for our families and then being there for our responsibilities as an employee or a business owner and again it sounds like you're so busy with your for-profit and non-profit business both on a global scale domestic scale how do you what's your secret sauce for um you know, being able to do it right and do it well, I would assume you are, especially, you know, knowing that you also do chef, you know, you also do uh, vegan cooking as a hobby, but how are you able to quote unquote balance it or even just make it a reality for yourself? Oh, wow. Um, I think I don't have a sauce. Um, (laughs) I fail every day, multiple times Mm. a day. And my sauce is to just know that I'm trying to be the best mom I can. And like, even thinking about it, I have tears in my my throat because um, I don't think I am. And all I can do is just to do the best I can. I feel guilty multiple times a day. I feel like I can do more. One thing I've changed significantly this year, and my, my, my son is going to be three in September. And um, only maybe last six months, well, yeah, 2022 was the year where 
I finally started putting myself first. And this mm. is a very challenging thing for me. But I realized after becoming a mom at a very kind of like late age, I'm on the older side. And, and I decided that if I'm not good, no one is good in the family. And if it was just me and my husband, it was okay. We can manage it. We're adults. We have therapists <laughs> to help. <laughs> but <laughs> but um, with my son, I can't screw it up. I can't. Um, and um, he is the most important, precious thing in the world for me. And I wanted him to be proud of me. That's my goal. And even if I fail, I want to tell him it's okay. And I'm doing my best. And I tell him sometimes, like, mom is not doing well. I'm sorry. Like, I'm having a really hard day, but I just love you. And Aww. and uh, I need to do it for me. I need to, like, live sooner for your bedtime. Or I, 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 I'm working right now. And you can come and join me for the meeting sometimes if you want to. And he's okay, okay to come in and sit with me and watch me. And I want to tell him I'm here for him. But I, I also need to do things. And it's not because I don't love him. And it's funny because he still, he says now to me, Mama is busy right now, but Mama loves Agustin. It's his name. Yes, Mama loves Agustin. And he says that. that. (laughs) I don't have a soul, unfortunately. I read a lot of books about parenting, gentle parenting. Yeah. That's not how I was brought up. I am from Soviet Union and discipline and hard parenting was the core. Mm -hmm. It was very strict. My parents were very strict with me. There was no praise, there is no cuddles, there is nothing. Mm. And I want to do quite opposite with my son for, for various reasons. And I'm just learning as I go. Um, you know, they say for a reason that when you when your kid is born, you're born again as a mother. And that's so true. I am like in my birth, toddler, motherhood. Oh. <laughs> I love that. Elena, thank you so much for your transparency. I think the listeners are going to, I think that's going to resonate with many of them. It does with me when I think about when my son was younger. So my son's 27, he's about to be 27 in October. And during the, you know, his early years, um, by the time he got into, I would say second or third grade, I went back into the workforce and started, you know, making a way for myself up that ladder or lattice or monkey bar or whatever it was. And my focus was, you know, to get to the next title, get to get the next raise, the next promotion. So I could make our lives better at the time I was a single parent. And um, I look back on that. And I remember when he graduated high school and we went out for dinner and he, we were just talking about, you know, his last year of high school, he's going to move to California to go to college. And I was just like, wow, all the things that you're going to experience in the world, it's just amazing. And, and then we started talking about his last year of high school. And he said, well, Ma, you know, you really weren't there. And I was like, what do you mean? And he's like, well, you were working all the time. And I said, well, well, Brandon, I worked all the time so that we can live in this nice house and move into a nice neighborhood, put you in a good high school. And I said, you know, th- I did all everything for you. And he said, but I wanted you. Oh, oh my God. I mean, it was like a knife in the heart. And I thought, oh my gosh, did I screw up? Did I do this wrong? Was I focused on the wrong things? Like all of this is like swirling in my head as we're, you know, making our way through dinner. And I know he didn't mean anything by it, of course. And we talked about it on the plane ride back um, out to California when he was coming out here. But I was just like, wow, how many other moms have that feeling like I felt guilty I was like gosh yeah. did, I, did I do it wrong you know because they don't come with an instruction guide right like you said we're figuring it out we're learning yeah. with them 
Uh, so yeah, I had I had my own moments too where I felt like I'm I'm failing backwards here. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. Thank you for sharing this. It's, and I think that's actually one thing, Tanya. Like just stories like yours and mine and every friend I know. You know, when you open it up, um, you know, even something that I was just talking to my friend who is like a businesswoman in banking industry, and she started. Your kid is, uh, you know, five years old, and she's telling me like, "I am broken. Like, I don't know how to deal with her. She's a very strong girl, and she's like, she's she can't. Um, she just has a lot of issues with who's in charge, and she thinks she's in charge in the house, and she's very opinionated. And my my friend, she's like, I don't know how to do that, and she doesn't talk about her feelings. And I believe it's because she started this, um. Uh, preschool or whatever it's called when for five years old I'm still learning different levels mm-hmm. um, and and she said that you know they don't report you there are no homemade meals there are no napping there is no nothing and 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 it's a lot of emotions for kids and they come back and they overwhelmed they are running like crazy and especially for people who have like kids who have strong personality and she does say um, she's also, uh, I'm Russian speaker and, and she's Ukrainian. She speaks Russian and she says, uh, I don't even know how to speak to her in a language that we speak at home because that language is not designed for gentle parenting. And oh, I never yeah. been taught this way when I grew up in Soviet Union. And she's like, I don't even know. Like I speak English, but I feel like I should be able to reflect and explain that in the other mother mm-hmm. language. And, and and it's interesting how culturally sometimes we don't even know how it how it's done and I think women need to be I I just really ask everyone just be more open about this if you think about no one knows about women we don't know much about ourselves we right (laughs) taboo and it's like you're you're so vulnerable when you say that your uh your you know motherhood -motherhood, pre-motherhood it's such an important issue and it's not just mental and well-being it's health it's health. Doctors don't know anything about us. Correct. Doctors are taught everything on men. There is no health research about women. There is nothing. It's been years of uh, men-focused healthcare, which is like, I don't blame men. It's just happened. But it's a big thing. And Tana, we're actually working on the business to address those issues or at least make an attempt and um, leave legacy to help women to feel more supported and see how we can change the industry from both business perspective mm. and provide help. But this is such an issue and um, it's just such a hidden topic. Although all of us, I bet 99.9, all of us experience that one way or another through parenthood or preparing for it. Absolutely. I so agree with you. And, and I'm glad to know that you're working on trying to bring this to the forefront and, and you know, talk about it more yeah. because mm-hmm. you're right. And sometimes when we're going through things, we think we're the only ones or that no one else understands. But as hopefully the listeners can see, um, you and I have completely different backgrounds and have so much similarities in terms of what we've experienced as new mothers and the challenge of trying to, you know, take care of our careers, take care of our little ones and still take care of ourselves. Right. And, and that's, exactly. that's a challenge that I think every woman can relate to. I want to shift gears a bit here and just talk about the industry that you're in because I find it to be so unique. So I know you were recognized by Forbes as the next 1,000 honoree. So congratulations. Thank you. Um, so definitely want to talk about you know the impact of that, what that meant to you and your business partner. Um, and then ultimately, how did you make that transition? You started out in legal 
And now you're in, I'm going to say the tech space. I mean, you're in Silicon Valley, <laughs> but you're in that whole compliance, security, technology space as a woman. Um, talk to us about that. What was that transition transition like? What kind of moved you in that area? Yes. Um, so first of all, I'm, I'm very honored to be part of Forbes next um next kind of like a list uh, of people to watch for and very excited about it and uh, appreciate the opportunity to um, use uh, my skills and leadership to to help um, others and that's my 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 goal kind of in life whatever I do business or non-business related I, I the career but I I always felt like I was born in the wrong time in the wrong place in this life but I think it's all for a reason as we all know everything happens for the best and there's always a purpose if we have time to notice that and think about it why we are here and um I I you know my first job actually my dream job was to I love horses and I almost dreamt of working with horses in circus and I remember it was like my no way. <laughs> dream and my grandma kind of killed it saying that <laughs> when you work as a veterinarian in, in, in a farm and not with horses, but with cows. And, and I kind of like, well, that doesn't suit me. So like not nothing against that, but I'm just like, but I want to work with horses in a circus because it's so magical and I love horses, very <laughs> animal. So I decided to become a lawyer since early age. I kind of knew what I wanted to do since probably like grade number five great and uh, I focus on you know I'm very determined since early age and I just worked on that and my um in where I grew up and I grew up in Soviet Union I immigrated to the United States in 2000 um I always felt that um all my classmates were just like focused on software engineering and programming and physics I actually was the only one um, out of girls who wanted to be a lawyer um, and uh, wow. I became a lawyer and my goal was to save the world. Very ambitious, very kind of yes. big goals, kind of like without many, many. And I realized that's not what I envisioned this <laughs> profession would do because um, it was very naive and life shows the practical aspect of being a lawyer. And I realized, well, I'm not going to quit because I'm not a quitter. So I'm going to use the profession to make the impact other ways and I focused on instead of like being a human rights lawyer um, or because it was just like very hard on me, on my soul um, to to go through all the all, all the hassle. I decided I'm going to just be a corporate lawyer and focus my free time on volunteering and giving back to a community. And that's oh. why I always was very passionate about nonprofit world and serving on board of directors, et cetera. And um, when I joined uh, legal field, it was very kind of boring on purpose, corporate um mergers and acquisitions then technology boom happened at the time i was already in us and ip and internet and um and that's how i got into the tech field uh from the wow. perspective working on m a transactions and then i just realized oh my god there is this whole thing ip intellectual property and i was like this is so interesting you kind of like learning about what's happening in the industry while doing the legal work mm -hmm. and that's how i got into tech and then suddenly it happened that I used to work on a lot of um, transactions, um, like addressing confidentiality and non-disclosure issues for a software company. That was part of IBM at that time, like a small affiliate. And I, I got to see the private aspect of it. And I was very passionate about this because of my personal experience growing up in Soviet Union. I grew up in a secret city 
where a bomb was made and um, every ac activity that we had as individuals was monitored. Um, all transactions from our travels to our phone, everything was um, surveyed and, and um, just like, really made an impact on me. We lived behind the fence. No one can come. The city was not on the map. So there's a lot of um, kind of impact on me emotional as a kid. And I just couldn't get to get out because I knew like, this is not me. Like I want big, I want travel. I want to see the world. And at that time, luckily Soviet Union collapsed and I was already like 10th grade. And um, the moment I finished law school, I just got out of the country and immigrated to the United States. And I'm very grateful for this opportunity because it's just, I feel at home and, mm -hmm. uh, um, and uh, I got into a lot of great opportunities from different um aspects of being a lawyer but being part of technology and I kind of like I'm fearless I feel like um, I was always one woman in the room um, but I just didn't care about things and I always was able to speak back and position myself um, as one was hard from the moment where people just didn't think I am a subject matter expert asking me to bring coffee I think oh, yeah. the past experience that I was like, well, I was like, I actually leave the meeting. I'm not bringing coffee. How about you do that? <laughs> and I don't like you. doing this, but sometimes <laughs> I had to, you know, because uh, it's just expectations that uh, require some training and societal change um, to the point where uh, I'm still learning about some technology um, aspect and uh, technology, the, the technical aspect and uh, educating myself. But I love it. And, and, and just getting into privacy, it was just kind of like a, a coincidence. I, I was working on something. I thought it was boring. I was ready to quit. And I went back to law school uh, in Berkeley and I met um, Chris Hoopnagel. He's a worldwide known privacy expert and he teaches at Berkeley. And I just came to him and just said, hey, I have all this experience in privacy. I don't like it. It's boring to me. Like I want to do something with that. What can I do? And I remember he's looking at me. I was like, what? IBC <laughs> is getting big. We need people like you who've done it before it became sexy and hot. Like we need people who understand regulatory requirements. You come from those industries who do it, done it for many, many years. Mm -hmm. And he convinced me to stay. And he's like, I'll make introduction to you and uh, to a couple of, place, couple of places, couple of people. And I used to live in LA at that time when I moved to Berkeley, uh, Bay Area. And he's like, you've just been in the wrong place because LA is oh, very wow. based and very banking focused financial industry. And you in the Bay Area now, it's very different environment. Like, let me make intros. And he did. And I got to say, like, I've been always lucky with uh, people who mentored me, uh, sponsored me and uh, formally and informally. And half of them are men. And I'm very grateful. So I never have anything against like, oh, we have to only do women, or like, you know, support women. Like mm -hmm. I mentor men and women and my mentors have been men and women. I'm very lucky for this relationship and want to send Elevator back to both of them for um, just to continue this tradition. And that's how it happened. I um, started privacy again after graduating again from law school, my third <laughs> one. Um, and I decided to quit practicing law because that was not my cup of tea. I'm very engineering. I mean, my mind is like an engineering mind and I like to build. I like to see progress. I like to implement and be proactive. And um, after like 10 years of practicing law, I figure out that the legal profession is more reactive for me. Uh, and um, 
being a compliance uh, and now consultants, it, it, it's my cup of tea. I got to see um, how I can use my legal mind and experience and understanding the risk and regulatory requirements, but I apply them to the business aspect. And to me, it's just like, I love doing this. I got to grow with every client we have, with every company we have. I got to see different projects, different aspects, different cultures, different risk appetite. And to me, it's just my biggest fear is to be bored. So I can never be bored in my life because <laughs> all amazing clients we work with and all of them are trying to do the best thing, not only what is required, kind of like legal regulatory, but also just like as good citizens, as good business practice. And I'm, I'm very lucky and humble about it. I think it's amazing. I heard so many things of what you said. So having a mentor and a sponsor really made an impact. You mm -hmm. spoke up for yourself. So you felt empowered to do that in the moment, which I think a lot of women, sometimes we don't, we may wait to be recognized or hope that someone sees something in us and taps us on the shoulder, but you step right up to that professor and said, Hey, this is what I want to do. <laughs> and and he was like, hey, I can connect you to people, right? Don't walk away from this industry. You're you're at its infancy right now. We need you. I think that's that was such a huge um, bonus for you to to be empowered to do that. And you experienced microaggressions, right? People thinking mm -hmm. that you were because you were the only female in the room that you were there and you can get them coffee. But mm -hmm. you, you spoke up for yourself and you said, hey, that's not what I do. How about you go get coffee for all of us? <laughs> so good yeah. for you. Good for you. And then not to mention the fact of, you know, immigrating to the U.S. in 2000 and going back to school and getting a second law degree, shifting careers. I mean, wow, Elena, you are truly phenomenal. Mm -hmm. Truly phenomenal. Thank you. Thank you. It's it's amazing to see that um, that transition and 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 just like I'm I'm grateful for life because you know I always feel like it, it's all what you see from it. I, I would not change a thing. Mm -hmm. And being a migrant definitely changed. Like, you know, I live right now in a beautiful house and having things I would never probably thought about having it when where I come from. And right. my family comes from um very low income, um, kind of like uh we all get education because it was a very common thing in Soviet Union, everyone gets master's degree. It's not even a question. Like oh. you know, there is no college like masters, so everyone does it. It was free, and education system at that time was really good. Um, but I think you know, moving here, we all our furniture for like a year or maybe two were from the street. We never wow. buy anything because we didn't have money. And uh, and I remember I was just saying like, I am gonna get there and I'm gonna make it happen. And um, and I did. The rest and of you did. That's right. It's twenty years, but still. <laughs> of course. Yeah. It's like, it's amazing when you think about the journey and, and, you know, I think about it even with my own self going from corporate to consulting and how my business has grown over the years. And sometimes I'm so in the moment, I don't even take a chance to kind of step back and recognize like how much has been accomplished and, you know, that, that drive and that determination and those dreams that I had and, and how ultimately I'm living them at this point. So Elena, I want to have everyone know how they can get in touch with you. I want them to follow your, your chef page. So please tell everyone how they can find that page as well as your business, what's your website. Uh, I know you're on LinkedIn, but go ahead and let them know how they can find you and just connect with yes. you and follow you like I'm doing. Absolutely. So feel free to reach out to me to my work email address. It's Alina, E-L-E-N-A at Alida. A-L-E-A-D-A -A dot C-O. 
Um, our website is um, alida.co or our nonprofit organization's website is wisp, w-i-s-p-org.com or you can Google women in securing privacy. And my Instagram chef page is <laughs> Hill Vegan. Um, and I'm happy to answer any questions, connect with you. I'm very passionate about giving back and uh, we'll find time. And if it's not immediately, but I promise I'll find time to meet with you one-on-one and help you anywhere I can. Beautiful. And was that Hill Vegan? I'm looking for you now. Yes, it's Hill. It's H E A L Vegan. Great. Well, thank you so much, Elena, for taking time out to spend with us here at Stop Being the Best Kept Secret Podcast. I really appreciate it. I'm so glad we're connected. I'm probably going to stalk you a little bit. So just give <laughs> me in advance. I think you're phenomenal, super, super smart. And, uh, you know, in some ways, Kindred, because I'm starting law school and you've gone through two of them. So I may tap you on the shoulder. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm so happy to. And I'm very excited. Such a smart move uh, with thank what you're you. doing, how you are. Uh, making our community uh, better supported and, and it's like such an amazing pleasure to meeting you and congratulations on your Forbes nomination too so thank you for having me thank you so much well everyone that's the next episode we're at a close I could talk to her forever you could probably listen to her forever that was Elena Alkina everyone thank you for joining me here Dr. Tainan Session your host of Stop Being the Best Kept Secret and be sure to tune in for the next episode Bye-bye.